Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Nuria Martinez-Keel. And I'm Dale Dinwalt. You are listening to The Source. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the Oklahomans' most impactful stories with the reporters who wrote them. Oklahoma lawmakers are in the middle of a special legislative session to disperse more than a billion dollars in federal pandemic relief funds. But politics the state capitol once again focused on gender identity. Reporter Carmen Foreman joins us today after a couple of interesting weeks at the Oklahoma Capitol. As of this recording, Governor Kevin Stitt has signed a bundle of bills that came out of the short session, and we're waiting to hear his decision on several others. One of the bills that has already become law has drawn passionate debate about the medical rights of minors and their parents. Carmen, tell us what Senate Bill 3 does. Mainly, it appropriates um, about $108 million um, in federal stimulus funds that we received through the American Rescue Plan Act. So the state is appropriating that to the OU Health System. But there's a catch. So lawmakers put in the bill that the OU health systems can only accept this money or use this money, take this money, so long as none of its facilities offer, quote, gender reassignment medical treatment. And then the legislation goes on to specify what exactly that is. But basically that's things like hormone therapies, puberty blockers, any uh, gender reassignment surgeries. And this is specifically for minors. So um, adults could still go through these procedures um, through OU Health. I'm I'm honestly not sure if they would offer them to adults, but this is just for children. So the bill passed. Governor Stitt signed it into law. It took effect immediately. And so what impact has this had on the OU Health Center and the services they provide? So within OU Health, they have um, the OU Children's Hospital. And within OU Children's Hospital, they have a program called the Roy G. Biv. Um, it's like Adolescent Medicine Program. And it's basically a program um, in which LGBTQ youth can seek um, medical care that is specific to, you know, things like gender care and, and gender identity, things like that. And so when you ask, you know, what effect this has on OU Health, well, it's specifically on OU Children's, OU, um, the Roy G. Biv program. They had to immediately halt some of its gender care. So um, they said in light of this legislation, they had immediately stopped prescribing hormone therapies or treatments, puberty blockers, and uh, to minors, and they'd also halted any gender reassignment surgeries for minors. So when he signed the bill, Governor Stitt also publicly announced his support for a statewide ban on, and I quote, irreversible gender transition surgeries and hormone therapies on minors, end quote. Just as an aside, gender-affirming medical care is supported by the American Academy of Pediatrics, even for children and adolescents. And not every form of this treatment is considered permanent. How soon could we see a ban on how the state ultimately defines irreversible therapies? How soon could we see that in a bill? And and what kind of support do you think 
that would get among Republicans in Oklahoma. The soonest we would see something is next year when lawmakers um, kick off their regular special session in February. Lawmakers could, you know, sort of fast track a statewide ban on um, these kind of procedures, these kinds of um, gender care. It's unclear how quickly they'll move next year, but it seems pretty clear that Republican legislative leaders are um, supportive of Stitt's idea for a statewide ban. And honestly, this is something that some lawmakers, some Republican lawmakers, sort of the more conservative, more um, not far right, but close to far right lawmakers have pushed before in the past and they haven't, their bills haven't got heard in the legislature. And so now they're extra galvanized to say, hey, we've We've been pointing out for years that Oklahoma needs a statewide ban on this medical care. The real difference is now at least Senate pro tem Greg Treat has said that he anticipates the legislature will take action on this issue next year. The one thing I would add though is I'm not sure how much of an effect it will have. Besides the OU Children's Program for um, LGBTQ youth, I'm not sure if there are other providers in the state that provide this care, especially to minors. And, And again, the statewide ban would just be for care for minors. It would not be for those over 18. And we've already seen a number of bills affecting transgender youth and transgender Oklahomans. I think this is probably the fourth similar action to to come out of Oklahoma this year um, affecting people in this community. And I think a lot of folks in that community feared that this might be the next step in that progression. There have been other states, other sort of Republican-led states that have been already making this push to sort of end um, gender reassignment. Uh, treatment or gender care for um, LGBTQ youths. And some states have already banned basically that, and they've banned, you know, gender reassignment surgeries for children. And so there were a couple bills filed this year, and I, I, I think among those folks who are LGBTQ and allies of that community did have some concerns that this could happen in Oklahoma. I just don't think anybody thought that this was with was the way it was gonna happen, you know, like through the federal stimulus funding process that GOP lawmakers were gonna take this step to say, all right, we're giving out some money, but we're also putting strings attached to it. So Carmen, moving on from the more hot button issues, we are expecting, as we're recording right now, we're expecting to hear soon um, decisions about more than a billion dollars in federal funds from the American Rescue Plan Act. That's federal funds approved by Congress and sent down to the states for their disbursement. How did lawmakers prioritize how they wanted to spend this pandemic relief money? It's a great question. Um, So over the past year, lawmakers basically opened up an online submission process. They took more than uh, 1,400 applications um, or requests for the $1.87 billion in American Rescue Plan dollars that the state has to dole out. So they received like $18 billion in requests. So like 10 times more. And then over the past year, they've had these working groups. They've decided, okay, here's the projects we're prioritizing. Here's the ones we're not. And a lot of the money is, you'll really see if you look at a breakdown, it's like a lot is going to expand broadband access. A lot is going to improve um, healthcare, whether it's uh, mental healthcare access, behavioral healthcare, or just physical care. And then we see a lot of stuff Uh, A lot of projects also devoted to sort of improving the state's workforce um, in areas of critical need or in in areas of of niche need. So that's that's a lot of the highlights, I would say. Um, 
Oh, and then infrastructure. Um, there's a lot of infrastructure projects, especially related to water infrastructure, which um, I guess lawmakers received basically a huge amount of requests for money to just shore up localities' water infrastructure, which sounds really boring. I know it sounds boring as I'm saying it, but it is really important. And as some lawmakers have pointed out, if you don't take care of your water infrastructure, that's how you end up you know, like a Flint, Michigan, or you could be the next Jackson, Mississippi. Both cities are having, have had huge problems with their water supply. And so I think lawmakers saw those, the flood of requests related to water infrastructure and they were like, okay, we need to do something. And then these are typically uh, sort of one-time expenses, right? There's not a lot of pressure or not a lot of agreement among GOP leaders to use any of this money for something that they're going to have to find uh, their own money for again next year, right? Agreed. Yeah, they prioritized projects that were would be one-time funds and that would be matched with non-state dollars or non-stimulus dollars. So basically, like, if we look at OU Health, they're planning to build a new pediatric mental and behavioral health center, and they're getting millions of federal stimulus dollars to do it. But the key is, lawmakers said, you know, we wanted projects where we're not the only one that have a stake in the project. So OU Health is finding money to match the federal stimulus dollars. So the the whole lift isn't on the ARPA funds. So you came on this podcast earlier in the summer for the prior special session. And what I'm about to ask was a big talking point from then. Governor Stitt asked for tax cuts, but the House and Senate went home this past week without considering any kind of tax reform. How big of a political spat is this? It seems like they've been going back and forth on this for a long time. I wouldn't say it's like a spat anymore. I think when we last talked back in June and the a different special session was going on, I think it was kind of a spat then because um, Governor Stitt was pretty adamant that he wanted to see tax cuts right away. And I think he still wants that, but he realizes that no matter how much he pushes the legislature, he's not gonna get that this year. It seems very, very unlikely. And really, we've talked about this before, The um, it's because the state Senate is taking a more methodical, a slower approach to tax cuts. They wanna look at tax reform as a whole and instead of doing sort of like individual piecemeal cuts, they also wanna be cautious because you know, we're in this weird economic situation where the state has a ton of money and is flush with state savings and reserves um, and gas prices are high, which is great for our state coffers, um, although not great for everybody who has to drive, but all of that could take a turn any day now. And you know, there's predictions that there's a recession around the corner or even at least an economic downturn. And so state Senate leaders are basically saying, pump the brakes. We want to make sure that we have enough money and we can do tax cuts responsibly so we don't have to cut state services or state agencies should we have an economic downturn. We don't want a repeat of 2016. Yes. All right, well, Carmen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And to our listeners, thanks for joining us this week. This podcast is possible because of the Oklahomans subscribers. We encourage you to subscribe if you can. You can read these stories and more every day in the Oklahoman and at oklahoman.com. Check back next Friday for a new episode. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. 
from the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.